Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning, Father. We are back. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. And a beautiful day today as we celebrate uh, what most people know as St. Edith Stein, but, uh, and we'll get into that later as, as you just did with the, with the school staff. The school staff is back. We have our full, our full complement of the parish staff is, is here. Yes, this morning uh, we welcomed our teachers and our faculty and our school staff back for a faculty day of prayer. We had Mass for them early this morning and before Mass Talk about that. An ama- uh, I don't, we, we might fall asleep midway through this podcast. Wow, we had a big time break. We want to you know, welcome them back in grand style. And there were omelets and there were biscuits and... Kind and of, bacon. If oh, we didn't bless the bacon. We should have blessed the bacon. We I, I blessed the food. I didn't bless the bacon. <laughs> we found... You remember, we, we talked about it in the podcast last season that we found a... Uh, a blessing particularly for bacon but we have the whole school back you know our full community is back and and people are starting to come back from vacation so it is just a wonderful day and we had good crowds at mass yesterday so people are people are starting to come back from uh from vacation and it's wonderful to see everyone to see and we're going to see the children next week but today we had our teachers faculty and staff back in the school so it was a wonderful wonderful morning so far all right, so we got a lot to get through today. Uh, obviously, yesterday's readings were, were powerful. We're going to talk a little bit about today's saint. Um, so let's let's dive right in. I know we wanted to cover uh, cover the second reading, cover the the homily, the gospel. Obviously, your homily. Uh, so where do we start, Father? No, we start with the second <laughs> reading because um, you know we've been re- we've three weeks now. We've been reading from John chapter six, and originally I wasn't going to talk about the, the second reading in my homily, but when I went back to it on Saturday night. Uh, when I was praying, I went back and I read it a second and a third time. And I go, I really need to talk about this, especially the times we're living in. And it was emphasized by two priest friends of mine on social media yesterday who did preach about it. In the times that we're living in. But before before I get to that, let, let's just read it. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And it goes into the beginning of, uh, of chapter 5 briefly. And it says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which we were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. So be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. So, Jorge, you hear that reading and you think, what? Oh, well, to start with, I was, as I was sitting in the pews yesterday, you know, I knew the, the school staff was coming back this week, that we were going to have today's day of prayer and reflection, that we were going to start off with this breakfast and then Mass. And, and I heard that, and then you, you kind of you talked about it in the homily. And I said, wow, how perfect is it that on the Sunday before the school comes back, we, we hear this reading from, uh, from St. Paul. Because, and this has been my pet peeve since I got here 10 years ago. Here we go. I'm going there. Here we go. I'm going there right off the bat. You know, we talk about one community, right? And, and this is, not only applies for staff necessarily, but really for the, the community at large. We talk about Church Little Flower, and there's this this f- underlying feeling in within the community of, you know, there's the school section and there's the church section and there's very little, you know, crossover or in between. And, and I've always said, you know, the language we use is important where we, we are a parish. You know, we are a parish which is comprised of the church and the school together as the one The school is the largest parish. ministry of the parish. That's right. You know, so, so when we're hearing this reading, you know, where, and you, and you mentioned it in the homily, where we have to be together, and what unites us is Jesus Christ. You know, where we have to put aside, you know, all these feelings, all this anger, all this resentment, all this, you know, bitterness, and and all this malice, and just be united by Jesus Christ, who is really the heart of our entire operation. 
You know, Jesus is the heart of everything we do, obviously here in the church office. Jesus is that the heart of everything that we do next door in the school. Jesus is the heart of this parish community. And if he's not there, you know, and we've we've said this ad nauseum here on the podcast, you know, we're just going to spin our wheels and, and waste our time. No, yes. And and you've been waiting to get that off your chest oh, for a while. God, yes. <laughs> we finally got it out there. He, he's, now he has a platform. So, no, but, it, but it's true. And it's not unique to our parish no it's everywhere everywhere everywhere. i've been it's like there's a moat between the school and the church and that cannot be because you know sometimes you know and and here the thing is what's unique about us and and this is and this is a fact is that we're the only parish in the archdiocese that the church and the school have different Different names names. even though it's the same saint you know church of little flower and saint Teresa catholic school so in Spanish, it's easy because in Spanish, they don't call it little flower. You know, yeah. some people will say little flower. Or la pequeña flor. No, or la pequeña flor. <laughs> but usually what we say is Santa Teresita. Correct. So, but, so there's, no, there's no dichotomy there. But so many times, and it doesn't upset me, like uh, when somebody says, Father, we'd like to have a mass at St. Teresa. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's fine. That's we are. That's yeah. the name of the saint. But, but the thing is, they're thinking about the school. Right. They're thinking about, so it, it, it shows me that they're more... You know, ingrained in the school than they are in the church, and so when you when you when you which blend, is which is fine, which is fine, okay. Yeah. But but we want them to you know they would know that okay, little flowers is, is the church of little flower is everything that was our name from the very beginning of the foundation of the church in 1926 of our church. So there's that aspect when it comes to this reading to to have unity and the unity that you know it kind of goes into the gospel, right of the bread of life, which is the sacrament of unity, the Eucharist, sacrament of unity. But there's another aspect which I touched upon yesterday in the homily ever so briefly, which is when St. Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another. Ah, here we go. Compassionate and giving one another... And, and forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. What I said yesterday, and, and both times I preached, I preached at the 1030 and the 530, was this. As you look around us, and we become, as a society, we become very angry. There's a lot of shouting. You know, it used to be back in the day that the only shouting I would see on my TV is like, there's a program on ESPN at 5 o'clock called Around the Horn, and you have these sports writers shouting over over each other about who's the best quarterback, who's the best football team, who's the best baseball team, you know, who's the greatest of all time. You know, that, no, that's nope. just dumb, dumb arguing about sports. But now we argue about everything. It used to be just politics or sports. Now we argue about everything. Yeah, and everyone has a Twitter. So, everyone so everyone's a Twitter, got a, a platform to, to yes. go out there. And, and, that, and, and that's exactly it, is that we all have platforms you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have Twitter, you have... The other day, somebody... I've never been on LinkedIn in my life. But now I say that people... I thought it was for business profiling and networking for business. Apparently, they're putting political views there also. Oh. So what happens is that you sh- you're trying to shout over the other person. You're trying to outdo the other person. Now, I shared it with you yesterday. Uh, there was this priest in, in Houston, who I don't know, but I follow on Twitter, and said, uh, you know, he put a, a gif of... of oh, this um, was great. Of, ...of a person putting a hoodie on and with sunglasses, and sunglasses yep. trying to hide. I go, today's reading applies to Catholic Twitter. Why? Because whether it be Catholic Twitter or Catholic Facebook or Catholic Instagram, it has become very vile, has become very gross, grotesque, has become very un, you know, yep. unchristian because we may put something and somebody will view, could be whatever it is. It could be like, for example, later on this morning, I mean, you know, later on in the podcast, we're going to talk about Edith Stein, and you may say, oh, no, no, that's political. And you, you view it through political lenses. Yep. And so you're trying to shout at each other and try to outdo each other. When somebody, when I post something on Twitter and somebody takes it the wrong way, I just ignore them, you know, because, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. There is, you know, when you're talking about you know, defense of life. We always talk about abortion, and rightly so. But we always talk about it. We always pray, and this is a universal prayer of the church, and people pray for this all the time, is uh, we pray for all life from conception to natural death. Now, here's where um, I get in trouble on Twitter with some people. You get in trouble? Yeah. 
whenever I tweet anything against the death penalty, let's say someone is going before yep. the... the uh, and there was a big case here a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's going before, you know, the used to be the electric chair, now it's uh, lethal injection yep. or whatever, whether it be here or in Texas. And I tweet, you know, against it. The bishops always put a statement. I retweet the bishops. And I say, you know, the, and the Holy Father has closed the door definitively on the death penalty. Yep. It, you know, it used to be like if, if we, you know, if society was in trouble, they gave a little wiggle room. But now we have the technology to put somebody behind bars and keep them there for life. So, you know, I tweeted out something, I don't know, several months ago. Oh, my goodness. You know, Catholic Twitter came after me. Embrace the true faith, Father. I'm like, well, did I ever abandon it? <laughs> And, I'm, and, and, then, and then they start quoting 11th century popes yeah. about oh, yeah. the death penalty. And yes, I know that the catechism of John Paul II, he left a little bit of wiggle room, which Benedict started closing, and then Francis shut the door definitively. But see, even that, okay, they're against. Why? Because it is political. Because one party is in favor of the death penalty, the other party is in favor of abortion, and we can't come, you know, we yep. can't come to terms. So we have to view it that way. No, we don't have to view it that way. As Catholics, we believe in life and protecting life from conception, natural death, even if at the end of somebody's natural life, if they are a hardened criminal, a murderer, a rapist, an abortionist, whatever it is, we do not have the right to take away Absolutely. their lives. So Absolutely. just and that, saying that. I mean, that story uh, a few months ago, the one I, I referenced. And it was a beautiful story. The, the man who was uh, who was put to death actually converted in yes. prison and and started leading Bible studies and and you know that pleaded so, for us for a, for a second chance and, and and to be you know to have the the charge not dismissed but you know to be able to live out his days in prison. He he accepted what he did. The family forgave him for what he did, and you saw an authentic conversion. Yeah, and, and that's why you know the. We went to seminary. The, the first thing we were taught is, you know, you never give up on a person. No, nope. you never give up on a person. And and I and I had people telling me I, we didn't plan on when we sat down. We didn't plan on talking about the death penalty this morning, but we had people. people went, oh, just like Jesus, just like Jesus, or the <laughs> the ones that were killed had to, you know, was was condemned to death. I go, no, 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 no. It, here, and here's the thing, and we'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but this That's is right. what this is what this reading is all on. about. It's saying that, but the thing is that people get angry. You're not, Father, I got that tweet. Father, return to the true faith. I'm like, what is, I felt like, I ignored them because you don't want to get into a shouting match with them because it's a waste of, it is truly a waste of time, especially on social media. The comment sections on Facebook about anything that has to do with Catholicism or anything that, any opinion about Catholicism, I say the road to hell is paved through those comment sections or responses on Twitter. So what does St. Paul says? Remove. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting and reviling so that you may be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. Is there room for that in this world? That's a big question. Is there room for that? In the current environment that we are in, where people are shouting, or do you have to wear a mask, not wear a, uh, uh, not wear a mask, do you have to get a vaccine, not get vaccinated? All these things that we're arguing about today. And everybody has a very strong opinion on that. And it's fine to have an opinion. Okay. But people ask me, Father, what's your opinion? See, my only only opinion is is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's That's not an opinion. That's a statement of faith and a fact. It it reminds me in all this this conversation we're having of Gandhi, of all people, right? Who said, you know, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that kind of a beautiful segue into as we said we're going to talk about today Saint uh, Edith Stein, you know, and you just gave a, a beautiful homily for our teachers. Uh, so if, if since we have the platform here, if you could share with with our listeners and, and all those who are going to to receive this gift of a podcast this week, uh, a little bit about Edith Stein or or as she should be known. You know, <laughs> you know I talked about that. Saint <laughs> Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Right. So here is the brief bio- uh, biography of Saint Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. She was born Edith Stein in Breslau, Germany, on the twelfth of October, eighteen ninety-one. She was born Jewish, but during adolescence became an atheist. She loved philosophy. During World War One, she became a nursing assistant. She earned a doctorate in philosophy and began to teach at the University of Freiburg. After reading the works of Saint Teresa of Avila. She converted to Catholicism and eventually professed vows as a discal- as a Discalced Carmelite. 
along with her sister Rosa. During the Nazi terror, they were removed for their safety to the Carmelite Monastery in Echt, Netherlands, but in August of 1942, they were arrested and deported to Auschwitz, where they, were, where they perished in the gas chambers on the 9th of August, 1942. She was canonized by St. John Paul II on the 11th of October, 1988, and is one of the principal patrons of Europe declared by St. John Paul II. So, like, at the end of this week, we have St. Maximilian Kolbe, mm-hmm. who's on Saturday, and he was also he also perished. He was a priest who perished in the gas chambers, uh, and not in the gas chamber, he was starved to death, uh, in, in one of the chambers in, in, in the concentration camps. This woman was also martyred. And what a remarkable faith that during this time of great upheaval in Europe in the early 20th century, she was born Jewish, had a very Jewish name, and, and obviously because of her Jewish heritage, the Nazis, it didn't matter if you were a nun because, you know, they thought, oh, they're disguising nuns, you know, Jews as nuns mm-hmm. or Jews as priests, and they just wanted to get rid of all of them. So it's this anger in whatever form you want to take it, and we need to get rid of that. Just like we need to get rid of it back in the 40s, and it took the greatest generation, the heroism of that greatest generation to, to, you know, to go about that mission. Edith Stein, and Saint, or as she should be known, St. Maria, uh, uh, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, she is such an example of perseverance, someone who persevered through persecution, who was able to write extensively, who was able to, to teach extensively, and who left us so many beautiful gifts of faith and testament of faith. And we need to be like her. That she didn't shy away. Yeah, they could have hidden her and said, listen, she has Jewish heritage. Let's hide her. No, right. she didn't hide. Right. Her and her sister were were taken, you know, they were moved to the Netherlands. But even there, they got her and they sent her to Auschwitz. So we need to be Christians that are bold enough to put our lives on the line. Maybe not to the extent, because obviously we're not occupied by, by Nazi Germany. We're not occupied by, 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 by fascists who were totally bent on genocide. We need to combat what really is this vitriol that exists in our culture, in our society, where we, ha- where we are in a constant state of anger. And say, and this is something that, you know, it was an, I, I can't, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I know I read it this morning. She, she was trying to channel a little bit of Teresa Lisieux, our patroness, and saying, you, you know, we need to surrender to God. And when, once we surrender to God, then we can be, as the reading I, I just read mm-hmm. said, imitators of God. Give off that, that, that wonderful fragrance, that wonderful aroma. It says, we'll be sacrificial offerings to, to God for a fragrant aroma. And the thing is that so many times we fail. I know I fail at that sometimes. I know that so many, you know, my parishioners that I struggle with, they go, we cannot be, you know, so angry. We cannot be so, you know, yes, it's not saying we have to be pushovers when it comes right. to our faith. And, and I want to make this clear. We cannot be pushers. We have to stand up for our faith. We have to stand up for those things that we truly hold dear to our faith. But we cannot go about it in a way that we are angry. For example, Jorge and I, last we couldn't do it this past January. We did it last January. When we did the March for Life, oh, that was we went great. up. That was and, and amazing. And really, we, we were there were hundreds of thousands of young people and priests and nuns. It's wonderful. And really, the the small, how many pro-choice people do we run to? A small handful. A small handful. Maybe a dozen yep. along the path down Constitution Avenue. So they're obviously, they're screaming at us. And we're praying, we're praying the, cha- the Chapel of Divine Mercy, we're praying the Rosary, we're doing this praying, yep. you know. You know, and there, there's people... No, we even said can... it to the kids, you know, because obviously we went with a, yeah. we're the small group of, uh, of teenagers and, yeah. and parishioners. Yeah, and we said, don't, don't yell back, don't fight back, right. you know, just take that moment and, and pray. But imagine if, if, if you, we were there and we're praying and we're singing songs and we have, you know, you have beautiful, you know, we had nuns that were singing, we had priests that were singing, we had brothers that were singing, we had children that were singing... But imagine if we stood in front of those protests. And listen, there's a right to protest in our country. Yep. Okay. And so imagine if we stood in front of them and we started yelling at them just like they were yelling at us. Yeah. What would that accomplish? Oh, nothing. Absolutely. It would, okay. it would, it would uh, probably push them further away into, into their, you know, 
their right. stance. <laughs> and as I say, the, the, the weapon that we had in our hands, which is the rosary, which we were praying, or, the, you know, we were praying you the rosary or on right. that rosary praying the chaplet, yep. was much more powerful than any argument that we could present oh, yeah. it to them. Yep. So it's like we always tell the children you know, and we always tell the, the young people, you know, just keep marching, keep yep. marching towards the Supreme Court yep. because there's this yelling back and forth. You see it on TV all the time when there's two, when there's two you know, two counter-protests mm-hmm. going on. People are yelling at each other. Yet not once I've ever seen somebody say, you know what, you make a compelling argument. Let me cross over yeah. to, your, to your side of the picket line. You yeah. know, it's like you never see that. Why? Because we're so entrenched in where we are. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't sit with a brother or sister who disagrees with us on a, on, a, on, a, on a topic of morality and say, this is what the church believes and reason it out. There are ways of doing this. Definitely. But shouting each other, angry, bitterness, all these things. And here's the thing, and I've talked about this so many times when going to the March for Life. Drop my pen there, sorry. <laughs> talking about it. We're I'm, very I'm, passionate we're today. We're very passionate. <laughs> I'm waving my pen up and down here in the, in the studio. But one of the things that, that I always tell them is that we have to start demonizing those who oppose us. Because whether they be Catholics in our church who may disagree with us on whatever topic it is, Oh, oh! I don't like the altar this way, or I don't like the you know the color of the of the of the, of the tablecloth, or I don't like the way the candles are arranged, or I don't like the priest. How he said, whatever it is, and we've heard it all, and we yeah we have, <laughs> or whether it be we're arguing an article of faith with somebody else, correct? We cannot demonize that person because that's what we're doing right now. Yep. Is that we you know these people are over here on this section over here, and these people are over there on that section over there, and we don't like each other, and they and they and we hate them. And, and they're demonic, and, and we can't talk to them. So we have to, that's what that second reading is all about. And so bringing it back to, to, to St. Ter- Maria, to, uh, sorry, I don't always keep saying, St. <laughs> Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Um, that's why they just call her Edith Stein. No, it's so much easier yeah, right know, off the top. But, but she was consecrated <laughs> with that name. Um, to bring it back to St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, you look at her, and there's a reason why John Paul II made her one of the patrons of Europe. It's a unifying, it's a yep. unifying figure, because you have someone who was born Jewish, also went through atheism and embraced the Catholic religion, and was martyred and was obviously like so many people in Europe was a victim of the Second World War and of and of the Nazi concentration camps. A unifying figure. The obviously the saints are unifying figures, but obviously the main unifying figure is Jesus Christ. So if we go to Jesus Christ and say, and I said this at the end of the homily. Jesus said in the yesterday in the gospel, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. When we receive the bread of life, it unites us as a community. You started off talking about the, the, uni, the unity that we have between church and school as a parish. It unifies us. It's supposed to unify us. The Eucharist is supposed to make us one body of Christ. Yesterday at the 530 Mass, they sang the, the, the anthem from the 1993 World Youth Day. We are one body, yep. one body in yep. Christ. So beautiful. And it reminds us that we have to be of one mind and one heart. It's one Christian people speaking with one voice because if we're not speaking one voice, then it dilutes the message of our Savior. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, if you were to look at the, the whole property uh, from, you know, from an aerial view, the Blessed Sacrament is, is literally right in the middle. It's here in the, in the church office, but you've got you know, the school extending one way and you've got the church and Comber Hall extending the other and you've got the Blessed Sacrament Chapel you know right there right there in the in the middle right at the heart of the entire operation of the entire community no and and that's something that we need to dedicate more time to is dedicating time to come before the Lord and saying Lord I entrust myself to you so that I can remove whatever I said it both homilies yesterday whatever anger whatever you know whatever bitterness we have Place it on the altar because that is something that is so important. And in fact, usually when I celebrate the youth mass on, on Sundays, I'll go and I'll look up the set list of, of what the the uh, of the call with what our youth choir is going to sing that day. And yesterday I didn't for whatever reason. But the song that they sang for communion, actually the post-communion song that they sang, was basically this reading. It's it's the song will come to the altar and when I'm there and I'm purifying the vessels, I'm listening to the song, and then I sit down and kind of meditate and take in the song. You know, I'm just going to read the, the, fir- the first verse. It says, Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. 
Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is coming. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, just like he did with Elijah yesterday in the first reading, who came to the end of his rope and said, Lord, I prefer death than being persecuted. Take by me Jesus. now. Take me. That's what he said. <laughs> the Lord sent the angel yep. to feed him. Yep. Not once, but twice. But now the Lord doesn't send an angel. The Lord comes himself and feeds us from his very hand. So I want to, you know, talk about two quotes from me this time, but you you had thoughts about each time from this morning, from the, from the mass we had with the teachers. Yeah, so... You know, we've been doing this podcast, I think this is episode 12, and mm-hmm. you know I have to bring up my wife, because <laughs> it's uh, our little Christ. podcast tradition here. You know, and, and she says, it's great, you know, I wish you'd do a little more uh, practical stuff, right? Because when, when we're talking, and yes, we, we talk about a lot of you know, articles of faith. And, and it's our philosophy degrees. Exactly. <laughs> but, but what, how does that translate, you know, to the, to the everyday here and now, you know, in, in the, in the craziness of life you know, and you i'm glad you're going to talk about the the quotes because you know edith stein saint Teresa benedict of the cross you know kind of gives us a a roadmap of you know how to how to do this practically you know day in and day out you know so as, as you shared with the teachers this morning you know and i'm sure you're gonna you're gonna read the quote now she says you know begin the day you know offering everything to the lord and, and end the day in an examination, you know, so, so really begin the day putting aside and you'll read the exact quote, putting aside, you know, this is everything I want to accomplish. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. You do with me as you please. And then finish the day saying, okay, you know, what went well, where did I go wrong? How can I be better tomorrow? So the two quotes basically that I'm going to read are like, like, like Jorge said, a roadmap for the day. So the first one is from the morning and it says let go of your plans, St. Teresa of the Cross says. And that's so hard, Father. No, it is. <laughs> because, all right, because, my goodness, as someone who lived this last month, all these plans and, and went haywire. And, and, and I'm not the biggest planner in the world, but but when I'm set on something, no, like but, to, to, to have to say, okay, you know, I, remember, I have to put that aside now because something else came up. No, but like, for example, you, you, you let's say you say, tomorrow I'm going to go, I plan, I'm going to I'm going to do a run. And we're gonna talk about running in, in, in the sports segment, but and then it, you know yeah and you and you run in the rain, but if it's thundering. Well, and yesterday rain, morning I yeah I slept I decided to sleep in instead and and but I su- and I suffered for it because I went running at three o'clock. No, in I was the gonna say then you went in the dead of the heat of the <laughs> afternoon. So, but is that but the thing is you make these plans, and then obviously God says no, I want you to go this way, and we get frustrated. So this is what say uh, Saint uh, Teresa of the Cross says: Let go of your plans. The first hour of your morning belongs to God. Tackle the day's work that he charges you with, and he will give you the power to accomplish it. Let me read that again. Let go of your plans. The first hour of your morning belongs to God. Tackle the day's work that he charges you with, and he will give you the power to accomplish it. See, that implies that we dedicate that first hour of the day to God, that we dedicate the very beginning of our day to prayer. And, you know, and sometimes it's very difficult when you have children, you have to get them ready for school and you have to do all these things. And, and sometimes, you, you know, people tell me they relegate their prayer to when they're stuck in traffic going to work. And that's fine. Whatever works for you. But as long as you dedicate the beginning of your day to saying, Lord, this day is yours. I consecrate myself and my day to you. Then we start off on the right. Yeah. And that's going to take discipline. You know, it's, oh, it's yeah. not just like a, a magic pill. You you do it once, and the, you know, everything magically falls into place. You know, it's going to take that that daily effort, and it gets harder. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything, the the first time you do it, oh, this is this is great. You know, and then you kind of fall into that that habit, and then it's oh, you know, I'll do it later, or I'll you know, I don't want to do it today. You know, so it's going to take that it's going to take that discipline to do it day in and day out, and and the more you do it the more the attacks are going to come and the harder it's going to be. And, and that's really where you have to and that's what she actually, says, you know, yeah. give it up, give up your day mm-hmm. and, and really consecrate that day and say, Jesus, help. <laughs> and that's what she says, let go of your plans. Yeah, I know. Listen, every day we have schedules. Every day we have things we need to accomplish, whether yep. it be work or family, have to do groceries, all these things. But sometimes I get side, you know, sidetracked. And that's where frustration comes in. But if we let go of our plans and say, these are the plans I have got. If I get to them, great. If I don't, okay. But that's where the second quote comes in. Because when we come to the end of the day, 
And when night comes and you look back over the day and see how fragmentary everything has been and how much you plan that it has gone undone and all the reasons you have to be embarrassed and ashamed, just take everything exactly as it is, put it in God's hands, and leave it with Him. Oh, isn't that beautiful? It just, you know, we go through our day. It's so easy to get frustrated because I didn't do this, I didn't do that. That didn't go the way I wanted to. I, you know, that my that last part. It didn't go the way I wanted. You know, to. my interview flopped. I didn't get the job. I got fired. You know, whatever it is, I didn't get the raise I was hoping for. You know, the kids were a disaster today. One of them is sick now, and and now I'm gonna get sick. And and this goes back to the second reading of yesterday. And I said this yesterday. That's pri- the primary source of our anger. Is we get angry over things that we cannot control. control. Yep. Okay, we cannot control people around us. We cannot control whether they're wearing masks, not wearing masks, whether they're vaccinated, not being vaccinated, whether they're COVID contro- controls or not. And these are right, right now is a primary source of anger for a lot of people. Oh yeah. But this saint is telling us, let go, surrender to God. And when night comes and we realize that everything's been fragmentary, we wouldn't accomplish not even half the things we wanted to accomplish. Offer that, put it in God's hands, and leave it with Him. And maybe He says, you know what? I leave that for tomorrow. You'll accomplish that tomorrow. But you said something very important. Maybe sometimes it's not we didn't accomplish. Sometimes we did accomplish something, but it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. How many times in my life oh, yeah. I preached a homily and it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, or I do. And something. those are probably the ones that that hit no, people most. No, it's true. <laughs> I sometimes there have been times where I walked out of church and I go, boy, did I stink up the joint. And it's just a reminder of the Holy Spirit. Somebody will come up to me and say, Father, that was one of the most beautiful homilies I ever heard. I'm like, what? <laughs> what were you listening yep. to? And that's why as priests, before the Mass, we commend ourselves to God and ask Him for, and we commend ourselves. If you, when we walk across from our chair to the, to the pulpit before we read the Gospel, we're commending ourselves to Christ that what we speak is not our words, but His words. And so that's what we need to do always is commend ourselves to God so that we are always doing His will. And to bring it back full circle to the second reading from yesterday, to allow ourselves to not give in to anger, to bitterness, to being reviled or reviling other people, not demonizing the other, but to be kind, to be forgiving. And these are words that make us sound weak, but we're not weak. It makes us stronger oh, as Christians, yeah. and it makes us more effective Christians. Because if not, then like you said, that, that, that quote from Gandhi, then what are we doing? You know, we're not living our vocation as Christian to the fullest if we're not doing these things, or we're not being kind, if we're not being merciful. Like I said, it's not being pushovers. It's not saying we're going to roll over because, you know, we don't want to shout. No, it's standing firm, but being kind, killing them with kindness. We talked about that a lot last week oh, with, yes. with something that we had to deal with. Killing them with kindness and saying, you know what? Through our smile, through our Christian witness, you know, we are going to transform the world. And that is more effective than shouting over other people and being angry with other other people. So whatever it is that you bring to the table that day, you offer it to God at the beginning of the day, and whatever you cannot accomplish or didn't go the way you wanted to, you put it in God's hands and leave it with Him. Amen. running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? Is there anything more upsetting than the IOC president getting up and declaring the Olympics Games closed? Oh, wow. I mean, that was... That's first, just like, oh, really? No, but not only that is that the closing ceremony was like... First of all, every athlete, I, I, I didn't know this until middle of last week, that once their competition was over, they had 48 minutes to leave Tokyo. Oh, wow. I mean, 48 minutes. 48, 48 hours. hours. I was going to say, that was, <laughs> wow, that's really, take a quick listen, shower. You just, you just got to go medal. <laughs> Get out. No. Um, there was something missing, you know, that I always find very endearing. Uh, they, they used to say, I call upon the youth of the world to assemble mm, yeah. in Paris in four uh, years. Yeah. 
uh, he didn't say that, or either NBC cut it, or I don't, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, that it was it was really cool. The, the closing of the Calder and the rest of the ceremony was like, was barely any athletes there. Usually it's a big party and the stadium's full, and it was just very. It was like a little somber. Yep. But oh, and about fifteen minutes in, half the athletes that did walk in had already no, had already probably, turned around and left. They too. probably bailed because I saw the it was in the infield of the track and field, and and it was uh, it was just sad. And you know, some of the performances were good. I you didn't like it that much, but I really liked the French video. The video that France—it was produced. really well done. It just felt like a like a commercial for an iPhone. But or... I like that. We like the commercials. For, I mean, I I still do. I was like, where's where's the Olympic tie-in here? I kept waiting, <laughs> waiting for Notre Dame, and it was one of the last scenes was uh, the planes flying by. Yeah. The the way that France does this a lot, I've seen it on TV uh, on on June the sixth, the commemoration of the landing in Normandy of D-Day, that these French fighter jets, well, with the plumes of smoke that make up the French flag, yeah. the the red, white, and blue. And it's, uh, but the French red, white, and blue. And it's just so beautiful the way, because it's not like, you know, the, the stars and stripes and ours, it's just three three big bars. And the way they do it through the sky is yeah, just glorious. Very, very Italy cool. does that as well. And it's just, just so beautiful. But it, w- it was a great Olympic. What was your, before we get, to, you have a pet peeve you want to reel on, but what was your favorite Olympic memory from the last two weeks? Uh, I got I have to go with the, uh, with the high jump, the, the oh, Italian, the, yeah. the Italian, and and, and the Qatari, you know, tying for tying, just because it's so rare. Again, we we talked about this last week, but but for the for friends in you know the biggest competition of their lives to say they could have kept going. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my pride aside and and we're gonna share this thing. That was just beautiful. Yeah, mine is, and I talked I talked about it last week too. Uh, I think it's a tie of, of two things. It's uh, it's Lydia Jacoby from from Sewell, Alaska. And you think about swimming in Alaska. I mean, yeah. you, you don't think about you from Florida, from, from Hawaii. Oh, great. You know, like there's a surfer from Hawaii. Yeah, that, that fits the bill. But And then the second one is Suni Lee winning the all-round competition after Simone Biles bows yeah, out. That was impressive. And being a representation for the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce this, the Hmong community, which is an ethnic group that is in North Vietnam, you know, in, in the Vietnam, Laos, and Southern China region, uh, that they're very prevalent in, uh, in, in, in Minnesota. And what happened, the story of her story, her father was, you know, two days before, two years ago, two days before her first national competition, he was in a bad accident and was paralyzed from the waist down. He was in the hospital and told her, you have to go. And she did. And her father built her a very small little balancing that's maybe a foot or two feet off the floor and was maybe like six feet long. And she was doing aerials over that balance beam. I know these terms because my sister did gymnastics <laughs> when she was a kid. Uh on that balance when she was 10 years old and she comes back and is able to win the all round and extend the streak. Uh, let me see if I get this right. Carly Patterson, Nastia Lukin, uh, Simone Biles, and ooh, I missed one. Sunny Lee, I missed who won in London. Uh, but yeah, but it's five in a row. And and I know Ceci Cristo was going to text me immediately when she hears this and correct me. Let's give, and give you the But I'll, the I'll right probably answer. look it up when, you, when you're talking <laughs> about your next thing. I'll look it up and, yeah. and but... That was, it's such an inspiring story. And I saw last week, because remember, they had to leave. So they had to leave London. So they did a reunion in the Today, at the Today Show. Yeah, we, you know, we, we watched the Today Show. We put it on every morning before I head right. out to her. And, and when the whole family was there, and when she puts the gold medal around her dad's neck, that was just, you know, ripped my heart out. Absolutely. No, beautiful. and he's in that, in that wheelchair. He puts the gold medal. And that was the first time they had seen each other. Yeah. It was like this reveal that she comes out and the family's there in, in, in the plaza outside 30 yeah. Rock. It was just so beautiful. Um, it, the the Olympic experience, the, the camaraderie, and they were talking. Tara Lipinski was talking about it a little bit last night during the closing ceremony. You make the, you make these friendships, and because they had to be insulated, they couldn't go out on the town. They had to stay yeah. in the Olympic Village until their competitions were complete. And they only had really had forty eight hours to get out of town and or even see a little bit right. of Tokyo. So they really had to rely on that communal experience, the Olympic Village, which some athletes are saying was so beautiful. Uh, I was just reading this morning that Eddie Alvarez, who was Miami boy, Columbus boy, that won the, the silver medal in the Winter Olympics in speed skating and now won the silver medal in baseball. I wish he would have won the gold, but Japan, yeah. God bless him. They were, that that's was the one a, they, great, a great game, though. That was, that was but, a great they, game. but Japan really wanted that one. He was rollerblading around the Olympic Village oh, and, cool. and because, you know, speed skater. Yep. So Miami boy did us proud. But you wanted to rail against something you saw yesterday. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a runner. I've done... Uh, Nine marathon, nine full marathon. So, so I felt the uh, it, this one really hit home 
when I saw this video, there was a French runner who gets to a water stop at, a, I want to say it was about 14, 15 miles in, uh, and, and it's hot out there. So these guys, these guys are hurting. And this guy, I forget his name, and it's not even worth mentioning his name, gets to the water table, reaches his hand out, and basically swats down the entire row of water bottles and grabs the last one for himself, mm. you know, leaving no water for the rest of the athletes. And that bothered me so much. You know, after two weeks of all these incredible Olympic stories and then to see this so, you know, at, so, at the very sport. end, I mean, it I, just talk about unsportsmanlike. And he, he told me he finished seventh, I think. Well, that's, that's the beauty of, of this story. The runner immediately behind him ended up taking the silver mm-hmm. and he finished back in like 17th place. Yeah, I mean, that's you know. Carly, uh, Carly Patterson, Nastia Luke, and Gabby you Douglas. You found it. There it is. <laughs> Gabby Douglas, Simone Biles, now uh, Suni Lee. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just just an amazing Olympics and, and that story. By the way, the, the talk, you you could say that you, you could talk about this better than I can because you've run these marathons. Talk about that girl that came in third place in the women's marathon. Oh, wow. She And out of nowhere, like... Mm-hmm. But uh, again, if, I didn't if you see don't, the ending of that. if you don't know the story, I think when she was like ten or eleven, twelve years old in school, you know, they showed a a hand drawn picture, and on the back of it or on the inside of the card, it said, "You know, when I grow up, I hope to make it into the Olympics and win a gold medal." And here she is, you know, a delayed Olympics where, I mean, the the training didn't really affect the runners because or the pandemic didn't really affect runners because you could just go out and run. Right. You're, you're not relying on any. Uh, equipment or, or gym necessarily but all the challenges regardless and she goes out and and takes the bronze medal mm-hmm. and what a race I mean she she attacked it from the start and hung in there with the Kenyans I mean just just think you know an American hung so in with the Kenyans and they're running like five minute miles over the course of 26 how long, how long is your mile how fast is my mile yeah. how fast sorry uh, my best was over the course of a marathon was eight minutes and ten seconds. You're, you're bad at the Kenyans. But that I mean, you're was better than me. that was like a decade ago wow. as a grad student where I had time to train. Have you and run the best? Have you been? I never asked you. You've run the best Boston Marathon, right? I have not. You have not. I refuse and to you- run that as, as a charity runner. If I'm ever going to run the Boston Marathon, that's the marathon of all marathons. It is. You need to qualify. I thought you had because you lived in Boston. I, I've been to it wow. as a spectator. I've actually practiced. Right I did I some learned. training runs on the course, but I refuse to run the actual finish area Why? until I'm actually running the Boston. Interesting. It's just one of my things, you know. That that's like the the, the holy tick grail. Tick tock, tick tock, dude. Come oh, on, man. The the older I get, the easier it gets really? to qualify. Yeah, they slow down the times. Oh, as you get okay, older. <laughs> okay, okay. Because you want to do it as a competition. I want to qualify. Oh, you want to qualify? Yeah. Oh, you have to qualify. You can't do it as a charity. You, like like they, I did, the they Marine. have charity spots. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing. With I don't mind doing. I've done charity spots yeah. for you know the Marine Corps Marathon in okay. Washington D.C. I don't mind taking a charity spot for a race. But the Boston Marathon, that's that's, that's the Holy Grail. That one, yeah. I want to qualify. If I'm ever going to run Boston, I want to qualify. And that that's that's. You know, I thought you had. I don't know why. No. But uh, anyway, and that's one of my other favorite moments. The end of the men's marathon. Uh, so Kipchoge. Just destroyed the... No, he was just so... Fla- I watched the end of that. It was so flawless. Just. And didn't even break a sweat. Just mm-hmm. finishes and turns around and like, okay. If you're well, still with us next? after listening to Marathon Talk, thank you. <laughs> you know, go ahead. But the another Kenyan was in second place. And then the... Oh, yes. The guy yeah. from the Netherlands was in third. And his training partner and friend... From Belgium. From Belgium. And actually, they were both born in Somalia and escaped as children. Wow. That uh, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I was reading this yesterday. Not to talk about it today, but since it came up. And the the guy from the Netherlands is kind of turning around to his buddy and and waving him into the sprint, and saying, "Come on, come on, you can you can sprint with me. We can both medal in this. Because if if not, one of them would take the bronze, and one of them would be you know sitting out mm-hmm. un, in fourth place, uh, looking up at the podium. Be, yeah. yeah, and he's waving him into the finish, and they both ended up out sprinting the second Kenyan so that they could both medal, and that was again just. One of those beautiful, wholesome Olympic stories. And that's what the Olympics is all about. There were so many mo- moments that you saw people come together from different nationalities. And, 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 that's, and that's what brings it together. You know, it's, Mike Tirico had a, he had a great essay at the end of the yeah. of, of closing ceremony. He said, the Olympics are always complicated. But what it does, it, it unifies us. And forget about, like, for example, we're going to get into this when they go to Beijing next year for the Winter Olympics. Uh, and, how, and how they were done in Tokyo. People couldn't be there. It was right. so awkward. But... 
you know, you still saw those stories of triumph and having them wave to each other, come on, and, and, and the Italian and the, and the Qatari, you know, sharing the gold medal in, in the high jump. It, it's just so wonderful. And, and, and it, I was getting a little bit of Olympic fatigue at the end, yeah. but it's like, it always <laughs> happens in every Olympics. And you, but it's like, I need to get back on a normal sleep yep. schedule. But guess what? The Marlins are on the West Coast this week. And I, uh, yeah, 10 o'clock. You're but, still watching? And I didn't watch. Anything. Uh, I didn't watch any. I didn't watch. It's, Anyways, yeah. but we want to end uh, on a somber note, and, and not, not a somber note, but a joyful note because this is a good man of God. And we'll and you know football's coming, so we'll be we'll be talking about this a little right. bit more. As so, I think that right now this is probably the only time, and I'm just making this up right now, and I'm surprising George. This is the only time that you will hear this on this podcast, and this is the Florida State fight song. I'll allow. Not it. the chant. I'll the al- fight song. I'll allow it. Okay, but briefly. And so we want to honor Bobby Bowden, who was a great man of faith. And, and I remember I saw there was a clip yesterday of, uh, that I saw of Bobby Bowden that had him basically, he was, he was sitting with Mark Rick. Mark Rick was obviously our former coach here at UM, who was his uh, assistant coach for many years in Florida State before he went on to Georgia. And Mark Rick has done a lot to, to tie in, you know, you know sports and mm-hmm. faith and all these things. And and Bobby Bowden had a great uh, had a great quote. I'm looking for it right now because it was a video quote about you know if we're not out there preaching Jesus, then what are we doing? And it, and it really goes to a lot of what we're doing as as as, as podcasters, as 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 a priest, as a as a layman, you know, who's who's working in the church. But he was such an incredible figure. Uh, here's here's let me see if I can get it because you know we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to get this on the thing. But uh, I'm looking forward to. Here we go. If, if we don't, if we don't go out and talk about Jesus, how's the world? How's the world gonna know? You know, it's like with his th- southern draw. We don't go out in the world and talk about Jesus, and how's the world gonna know? So he's he's talking to Mark Rick when he says that. But you know, he was a man of faith, and you you saw testimony after testimony of players saying, "Coach, thank you for your faith. Thank you for for teaching us faith. Teaching us about family." And, and I think the most powerful, remember Myron Rowe, who was a Rhodes Scholar, yep. and he wants to be a brain surgeon. Yep. And, I, and there was this clip that, that Myron put yesterday from ESPN that, that Coach Brown, the athletic director, came in. He goes, yeah, and usually when the athletic director would come in, he said, bad news. You know, and he was coming in to tell him, listen, Myron needs to take this test during the Maryland game. That back then, Florida State would roll over Maryland. You know, sorry about the turtles. So, <laughs> but he goes, no, he has to go take the, it didn't even cry, he didn't even think twice. He has to go take that test. And now he is a, um, a fellow, and, and, he, and he's in his residency nice. to be a, a neurosurgeon. That's awesome. He was drafted, and he, and he played briefly in the NFL, but this was his calling in life. What's your favorite Bobby Bowden memory? Ah, uh, So many. So many. It's not. I you mean, can't talk about his, his exasperated I mean, face every time. I was going to say, him. you know, which which of the wide lefts and and just hands on his knees, just you know, shaking his head. Here we go again. <laughs> no, but that's the quote that <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised because the first thing I thought about was a quote that your father mentioned to me yesterday after mass. And this, I had never read the read the complete quote. I had to play Miami. This is yeah. the complete. Oh, quote. this is that's probably why it's my favorite because the the, the all the respect in the world goes to him yeah. because I, of what he says. Right. Here. This is the quote. As good as we were, we didn't win a national championship until 1993, mainly because we kept losing to Miami on missed kicks. Okay. I used to get mad because nobody else would play Miami. Notre Dame would play them, then drop them. Florida dropped them. Penn State dropped them. We would play Miami and lose by one point on a missed field goal and would knock us out of the national championship. I didn't want to play them either, but I had to play them. That's why I said, when I die, they'll say, at least he played Miami. That's right. And God bless, Coach, because we were indifferent. You know, we were, uh, we, somebody just tweeted after reading that quote, because it's gotten a lot of traction. The Gators are, you know, are, are, are cowards for not playing us every year. But <laughs> They are. That's, listen, that's why all respect to FS, there's, because We were talking was, about this yesterday. There's, there's a mutual... Respect, love, hate between the Canes and the and the Seminoles, but the Gators and the and the Irish, it's just no, no. (laughs) It's just here's a here's a new sound clip for the for the sports segment, right? (laughs) 
This really goes against what we talked about in the first segment, but okay. It's sports, a little irrational. That's what we're called fanatics. But yeah, he made a decision. We are going to play Miami every year. And we said, because Miami, would, if Florida came up to us right now and said, we want to play every year, we'd say yes. Because yep. the model back in the 80s was anybody, anywhere, anytime. Yep. And that's Florida State did that, Miami did that. Remarkable. I believe it was 14 years in a row that he ended up. Didn't win the national championship. The first one wasn't until 93. But finished, in, like the, finished in the top five. Yeah. And finishing in the top five. 14, that, that's just remarkable. And I was there when he won his first national championship. And just uh, my fa- it was the first time my father and I had ever been to a football game where we didn't have a rooting interest. And it was Nebraska and Florida just you know trading haymakers. Florida State. Sorry. Ne- Nebraska and Florida State. Not Florida. <laughs> Not Florida. Not Florida. We don't like those Florida guys. Florida State. Uh, Florida State, um, they were just, you know, exchanging haymakers, one blow after another, and it came down to kicks. And Charlie Ward was the Heisman Trophy winner that year, and they cleaned our clocks. This was when UM was coming off uh, the sanction, or was about to get the sanctions. Uh, the first of many. Which one? Yeah, yeah which one? <laughs> this was the, 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 the Pell Grant scandal that everybody, uh, you know, risked Levitard about. But... Uh, no, it was a great game, and I remember my dad and I. We were, you know, we were in the West End Zone, our favorite place to sit. And as Bobby Bowden was walking, was he wasn't being careful, but he was surrounded by cameras. He was walking off the field, going into the Canes locker room. Go, you know, where, you know, and he we were just standing and and, and giving him a standing ovation because the man deserved it. Good man of faith, good family man, and uh, amen. Yeah. Hats off to you, coach. So rest in peace, coach, and in our condolences to the entire Florida State family. But come uh, this fall when we play together, you know, all bets are all off. All bets are off, yeah. We're, 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 we're going to go up there. Do we go up there or do they come down? No, we go, they come down. Wait. Uh, I'm not sure. Hold on a second. Because this is very important because we both have we both We, have have, we haven't done our pick them yet, so I, I, haven't, no. I haven't memorized the schedule and yet. I, and we, we are playing them late. We play, you know, we play at Doak on the 13th of November. Usually we always oh, play. In, yeah, I know. We always would play the first week. Of, of October, October. Yeah. yeah, but 13th of November, Miami at Florida State in Tallahassee, and you know that'll be great and probably be emotional. Uh, Manny Diaz worked with him also, and he gave some great quotes. But, but yeah, that's uh, and it's great. Uh, Bobby Bowden, just an amazing, amazing uh, uh, figure, and and he will be missed. So condolences to all our Seminole fans and family. We're we're praying for you. And I offered mass yesterday for the proposal of the solo coach. So, anyways. Folks, thank you for listening this week. We pray to uh, for the intercession of Saint Edith Stein. We pray for everyone who is suffering right now because of COVID. We pray for the end of this pandemic, and Lord, we ask you to bless us and to keep us uh, always close to you. And and as Saint Edith Stein said, let us consecrate our mornings, let us consecrate our evenings, our night to you, that everything may begin with you and through you be happily ended through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.